Holly G with the Golf Insiders for another edition of Tour Talk. A busy week as we begin the first round of the Valspar uh, Championship over in beautiful Clearwater, Florida. The final leg of the Florida Swing. And um, we're checking in with our favorite, Bob Herrig from SI.com. Hey, Bob. Hello. How are you? Great. We get to uh, hear from you twice this week, and uh, but there's been a lot of breaking news over the last day. Um, let's start out with the update, uh, a story you wrote on SI.com about the Saudi Super League, the LIV Golf League, set to launch, and it's announced eight events. Can you give us an update? Yeah, and you know, as part of that update, they finally gave us a name for the league, uh, which is going to be called um, the Live Golf Invitational Series. And they also kind of explained, which I was sort of, I sort of knew, but they never really said officially, the Live, the L-I-V, is the Roman numeral for 54. So... There's two things in play there. The aspirational aspect of trying to shoot 54, birdieing, birdieing every hole. Right. And also, they're going to play 54-hole events. I like it. So, um, and yeah, now they have a schedule, but you could, you could argue that they've put the proverbial cart before the horse because they don't have any players. Correct. And what it sounds like is... They are going to just throw this open to anybody who wants to play. And if you want to sign up and play, and can, you can play one or play four or can play eight, that's up to you. Now, that's not, that was not their original plan. And how they want to pull off a team concept is still a little sketchy to me if you aren't going to have a set, the set number of guys every week. But, um, but nonetheless... The money is so big that while they're not going to get the name guys right away, there's going to be some guys who go play. And just, I mean, it's it, it's twenty five million dollar purses, twenty million for the stroke for the individual part. That's what the players' championship was for 144 players paying out to. It was ended up being seventy one, and that was a boosted purse, right? Exactly. So if they do it the typical way where you give 18% to the winner, $3.6 is going to the winner, and they're only paying down to 48. So, you know, the guy who's 48, if he's dead last, by my math, or what we've understood it to be, is he's going to make $150,000. Uh, you know, you usually have to finish about... 20th now, or you would have had to finish about 20th, I think, in the Players' Championship to get that. So think of what you're going to get for finishing 20th in this. It's just too, for, for any kind of middling guy, it's too lucrative to not do it. And then what's going to happen, I think, is what they're banking on is you and me who are used to beating that guy who goes over there Start seeing that he's making double what we're making, he might get intrigued. At least that's how I sort of think that they're trying to go at this. Mm -hmm. the, the other thing is, is they're testing the PGA Tour. 
is the tour going to give releases? Because these events are not, you know, they're not making you join the league, at least not now. So, and, and you know, they give three releases to, to a player, and not all the tournaments are in this season. So it's going to be interesting. I think what they've done is they've kind of set up the possible they've, – they've, they've sort of challenged the tour. Okay, let, either let them play or block them, and then we're going to sue you. Yeah, it's – you know, I – this the use of the term independent contractors i've always found uh curious in terms of the pga tour you know most of us would know that that means you're a 1099 and like a lot of people in the media you wear a bunch of different hats and you know you get paid by a variety of uh, different sources commissioner monahan's always been very careful with his words uh, in public, we listened to him last week. But um, you know what? What are the the legal um, rights here? Well, I think the Norman people definitely feel that they have some sort of legal standing when it comes to this. Um, on the other hand, you know, anybody who's been an independent contractor and and goes to work for some organization has to follow their rules. You know, it's it, you just can't like, you know, like if somebody hires you to do a, to do a task or brings you on to be part of their group, they might have rules that say, hey, why you're doing this for us, you can't do it for anybody else. You know, and you then have to decide. And I think where I think where the the Norman people feel they have an argument is is. There is no really other choice in North America for a tour player, you know, to, um, you know, to, to play golf. You're going to play on the PGA Tour if you're one of the best in the world. And so maybe they can have those rules. But, like, let's say it's a writer and, you, and you're an independent contractor and you, you're writing for Golf Digest. Well, does that preclude you from writing for SI also? I mean, they would probably say yes. But if you're only doing it as an, as a per assignment basis, can they really prevent you? You know, so I think that is that's sort of what's in play here, and it's a lot more complicated than I'm making it. So um, it's just, I will say this: this goes back. Norman has had a grudge about this issue going back 35 years. When he was big in the late 80s and 90s. He had to get releases to go play in Australia, and that really bothered him. He was like, I can't just go play in, in my home country. And, and you know, they, he was allowed to have three releases a year that, you know, sort of unimpeded. But beyond that, he'd have to, you know, get permission, so to speak. And, you know, like he'd probably play an event or two in Europe. He's, he was a big star. He's getting appearance money. Who can blame him? And then he wanted to go play in Australia in, the, in their summer, our winter, with really not a lot of opposition on the PJ Tour, but he was still required to do it. And they would extract favors from him in order to allow him. Like, okay, you can do that, but you need to play the Greater Milwaukee Open two of the next three years. You know, and that annoyed him. And I, I, I get it. I sort, of, I sort of get it. Now, the Tour has changed its rules on that to some degree, if it's, quote, your home tour, 
they'll give you unlimited exemptions to play your home tour as long as you play the 15 on the PGA Tour. So, like Rory, for example, is, does not need to get releases to play any European tour event that is played in Europe. So, you know, he can, but he's got to meet the 15 minimum on the PGA Tour. Right. So, um, and that, so that would be the same for Rom and Victor Hovland, you know, guys who play both. Um, and then, like, you know, somebody like, like an Ernie Els or, or Foos Hazen, say, let's say he wanted to play, you know, on the Sunshine Tour, which is in South Africa. He can play as many of those as he wants. He doesn't need to ask for permission. That is one thing that Norman fought and got. Seve Ballesteros also. But it's in, in Norm, to Norman, you shouldn't have to shouldn't have to ask for permission at all. As long as you play the 15, he says, why can't you play as many as you want somewhere else? And you know, I, I mean, look, I kind of get it. I sort of see the point. Now, the irony is, if they really do launch the league. The, the full league where they were they were talking about 14 events, you'd be required to play them all. So on the one hand, he's saying you should be able to play wherever you want, but on the other side, but hey, if you play in our league, you got to play them all. So all I know is it's a mess. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you've done a great job of breaking it down. So it sounds like this is they've opted for more of a pilot program, if you will, um, and it, it, three of the events are going to be played uh, June through the Tour Championship. That leaves five events in the fall, and the release says that uh, along with the $20 million for each event, this is going to include a $50 million team purse for the season finale. And there's a there's an extra five million per week for the team part. So like some big actual, big big moolah. Right. If you're on one of the top three teams each week, there's five million that's going to those teams. So obviously that's not as much, but it's still, you know, it's nothing to like sneeze at either. Um, and yeah, in a big team championship, they haven't really laid out how that will work when guys might not play every week. Um, I think they are, you know, they're a little bit ahead of themselves on some of this. But, I mean, look, they've locked in seven of the eight venues. That's pretty impressive. You know, now now they just got to get some guys to sign up, and it's going to be really interesting to see how that, that plays out. I do really think they're going to have a lot of, you know, lower-level guys, European tour guys, you know, uh, Corn Ferry maybe, although they might be, you know, I don't know, can the tour restrict them? Um, you know, that's a big issue because, you know, if you're the, you know, if you're the PGA Tour and you're going to deny a guy a chance to make that kind of money, um, you know, that's, listen, it's going to be fascinating. It really yeah. is. Yeah, it, it is. The, the, the plot thickens, um, and we will stay tuned. Meanwhile, some uh, announcements. The Ryder Cup captains have been announced. Zach Johnson will uh, lead Team USA over in Rome, Italy in 2023, and Henrik Stenson named the Ryder Cup captain for the European team. Your thoughts? Well, that's a great great uh, call on Henrik, and 
I think it sort of suggests that his involvement or rumored involvement in the Live Golf League has probably been put on hold because he, he, he wasn't going to probably be allowed to, to be the captain if he was going to do that. Um, and that's another, you know, kind of murky part of all this. All these guys who are lined up to be captain, captains including Phil, um, you know, where, how does this impact it? But just from, you know, the standpoint of, of, uh, was Henrik next in line? I know, you know, certainly Ian Poulter is one that's in the in the mix here at some point. Well, you know, I thought Westwood was next in line, but he said he wanted to try to play. And then they started talking about Luke Donald, who is, you know, a guy in the mix too. But by going to Henrik, they might have that might have been that they bypassed they bypassed Donald because. You've still got guys like Westwood and Poulter um, and Sergio. Um, yeah, they go know, pretty deep on that on, the, on their side. They really do, and they, you know, there there was some sentiment too for Paul Laurie, who, you know, wasn't a prolific tour winner, uh, but he did win the Open, and and he, he played in a couple of Ryder Cups and was pretty good in the one that they played that they won at Medina. Um, so. Uh, yeah, it's a, um, it's, uh, it's an interesting, but I mean, listen, nobody, I don't think anybody has an issue with Henrik. He, he was a great player for a long time, um, with, with, with a lot of, with a lot of success. A- so, absolutely. Uh, and one of the best iron, uh, strikers in the game when he's, when he's on. No doubt. And, no and Zach, we should call him Captain Consistency. You know, I don't think a lot of people realize uh, he's had 12 PGA Tour wins, two of them majors. But I was looking at his stats. He's got almost uh, 200 top 25s, Bob, out of, you know, 450 PGA Tour events. Uh, you know, Zach is just Mr. Steady Eddie, should be a great captain. You know what, Zach, I wrote this a few weeks ago. Zach is sort of a product of of the new system, you know, that the P, that the U.S. put in place, you know, basically seven, eight years ago now, where they, you know, they formed that committee and they, they kind of wanted to groom guys. After after Phil Mickelson shook the bushes, we, we should, right. we should uh, point that out. The idea was to have some consistency among assistants and captains. And... You know, Zach has been an assistant twice at the Ryder Cup and once at the President's Cup, and he's played on nine of those teams, nine combined teams. He's also one of the few guys who has a winning record. He has a winning record in both. You know, and so you you throw all that in. So, you know, he was with Tiger in Melbourne. He was with Jim Furyk in France where he saw what it was like to lose and, and get criticized for pairings and stuff. And then obviously he was there in Wisconsin when the U.S. won easily. So he's got that experience, plus he's got his playing experience. He was on a couple of teams that got it handed to him. And now also, you know, they're going on the road, and who's, the be- who's, who's more of an underdog figure than Zach Johnson? You know, like the guy who played college golf at Drake, 
isn't supposed to win majors at St. Andrews in Augusta. You know, but he did, and he's got 12 tour wins. And I think I think he's really, like, the perfect guy to go overseas. They won't have won overseas in 30 years. Which and, is amazing. When I look yep. at that stat, it was 1993 at the Belfry in England. Exactly. Yes, 1993, and, you know, a totally different era. Tom Watson was the, was the captain then with, like, barely one assistant. You know, that was how they did it then. And, you know, things have changed a lot. But one thing hasn't changed, the U.S. never wins on the road. And so, you know, it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of about time that they, they broke that. You know, they've, they've, you know, so look how long it's been since they've won two Ryder Cups in a row. You can't win two in a row if you never win over there. So, um, you know, this is the time. They're going to have, the U.S. is going to have a loaded team no matter who's on it. You know, they're going to have JT. They're going to have Morikawa. Uh, you know, whether, you know, Spieth, DJ, Kepka. Bryson, if he gets back going, I mean, they've got so many great players. Scheffler, you know, Sam Burns now. You know, this is the time they need to do it. They need to win over there. And I just kind of think that Zach, I don't know, he just seems the perfect fit at this point in time. I I completely agree. And uh, uh, already um, thinking about some marinara, good old marinara sauce over there in in uh, Italy, Bob. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep, sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah. Speaking of JT, uh, saw a his being number eight in the world golf rankings. Quote pisses me off. So JT's playing at the Valspar. Uh, first round underway. Uh, both uh, he and Colin Morikawa. Uh, who would uh, like to bounce back after after the players, especially, I would say, Colin. Yeah, Colin really kind of got the, got the uh, you know, he really got caught up in that bad weather wave. And JT did, too, and played great in the second round. You know, when the weather was some of its worst, he made no bogeys in the second round. He shot 68. He was sort of like out, just lurking outside the top ten and seemed poised to make a run and then, you know, actually played worse when the weather was better. Um, so, and he's frustrated because he hasn't won in over a year now. And uh, I don't blame him. You know, he's, he's better than this. And, you know, he was number one in the world for a little while. Now he's eighth. You know, he's. I can see why he's a little. Well, he's well. He, why he might be a little bit annoyed. Yeah, so. and as you mentioned earlier in the week, um, they've got a great field, and and Valspar is one of this these events. The uh, Copperhead Course over there is uh, a beautiful Innisbrook Resort. One of the toughest they play on tour. This event's been around a long time. It's you know, again, one of those that gets bounced around and, you know, continues to just uh, carry on, if you will. And it's it's great to see so many uh, players um, teeing it up. Brooks Kepka, uh, Dustin Johnson, Bubba, uh, Jason Day. It's just, um, you know, a great, uh, great, great field. Keegan's in the field. So great, great tournament coming up for sure. Looking like some good weather as well, which will help. 
And, uh, yeah, it's exciting for these guys over here. They have a really nice field. You know, they had a decent one last year when they played in May. Uh, you know, and they played in late April and May. Now they've moved back to the sort of the traditional March spot. And, you know, they've been, I think, pleasantly surprised with the field they've put together when you consider they follow Arnold Palmer, they follow the players. Next week's the match play. You know, there's just there's only so many there's only so many times a guy can play, and so they've done pretty well for themselves. They they sure have. And uh, a final note, Bob, uh, before we close today, uh, we've all um, you know gotten the recent news over a night of this horrific head-on crash in West Texas that has taken the lives of six New Mexico University students and their coach of both the men's and women's teams. Uh, this is just a, such a s tragic and sad um, event that's happened. Yeah, really sad. Um, you know, you'd, <clears throat> you'd hate to see that anywhere, but boy, it just, you know, um, it kind of puts things in perspective again, doesn't it? So, you know, and just... It's, you know, it's so random. It seems it seems so random. That's what's that's what stinks, you know. And um, just just uh, it's almost like no words for something like that. Just really, really unfortunate, really sad. Yeah, and uh, just heartfelt condolences coming from all corners of the golf world. And um, we we as well send out our uh, our prayers to the victims, their families, and all you know affected by this tragedy. Um, really uh, makes you just uh, want to hug your your closest and uh, dearest uh, friends and family today. Um, so, Bob, as always, thank you so much. We appreciate your time, and with a little luck, I'll see you over the weekend. Sounds great. Thanks so much.